Welcome to The Disappearing Mind, a unique podcast helping you find clarity and support along your dementia journey. Now, join National Dementia Trainer and Coach Don Platt for an all-new episode. Hello and welcome to the podcast. This is your host, Dawn Platt. So happy you could join the podcast today. Today is a very interesting show and I wanted to talk about it before I brought my guest on because I think a lot of people are going to wonder why I am doing this type of podcast. And so I've told you, you know, we've had the conversation that I'm a big programmer. I believe in therapeutic programming. I believe it has great value, not only in the beginning, but also through all stages of dementia. And one of the reasons that I am so passionate about that is I have seen the results. So you're going to enjoy today's podcast. Stay tuned. So today on the podcast, I have a friend and a colleague, and her name is Orla Concanon. She is the CEO of Elder Grow. Today, we're going to talk about gardening. We're going to talk about horticultural therapy. Welcome, Orla. Thank you so much, Donna. I am delighted to be here, and, and thank you for this wonderful opportunity to share a little bit today and to reconnect with you. Well, Orla, I'm glad you have the Elder Grow Garden right behind you. So that's going to be important, but we're going to describe it to our listening audience as well. But so provide our audience with an overview of what Elder Grow is and how it was founded. Elder Grow brings nature indoors to residents and senior living. So this is the our wheelhouse is entirely dedicated to serving the elder population. And I once worked in senior living many months ago now, I would say, I don't know, maybe 13 or 14 years ago, I worked in senior living communities. Um, so I saw firsthand how residents were often challenged by accessing the outdoors, you know, whether it's due to weather or mobility or staffing needs to assist. So Eldora was born out of the opportunity to bring nature indoors to residents and to make it accessible for all residents. And so that was the overarching mission, if you will. And as Dawn, as you mentioned, there's a, a garden behind me. So the way that that took shape was indoor therapeutic sensory gardens. And the one behind me is actually an old prototype um, from our very first month of Elder Grove, which was almost nine years ago now. So now the indoor therapeutic garden lives inside the community. They are on wheels, so they are mobile. And then we have a team of educators who come into the community to facilitate classes. And most importantly, what the gardens do is provide residents with a renewed sense of purpose. The gardens gives residents something to nurture, and something to look forward to, to see, for example, to see if a geranium opened up, you know, a reason to get out of their apartment and come into the community and, and admire what Mother Nature has brought that day. Great. That's wonderful. Tell me, was there anything in particular that inspired you when you started Elder Grow? Yeah, absolutely. I, I've had a lifelong passion around serving older adults and which has manifested in elder grow now. Um, but prior to that, as you heard, I uh, worked in senior living communities. I did meals on wheels. I was a friendly visitor to aging adults when I was in college. And 
I knew that I wanted to connect seniors to nature and it manifested in elder growth and the therapeutic indoor gardens. I went to grad school, so that could be part of this uh, answer. I went to get my healthcare focused MBA and I was that student in class that always did every single project around uh, seniors and that became who I was. And I was very committed to finding a way to improve quality of life for particularly residents and senior living, having worked in that space and having familiarity around that and having seen the opportunity and the need to connect residents to nature. So it became my business plan at school and Elder Grow was in fact my capstone, quite like a thesis. And thanks to my fellow cohorts, they encouraged me to enter the university's business competition, which it, it took off from there. It really uh, quickly stole the public's favor, thankfully, from <laughs> competition, award money, and that's when Elder Grow was launched. Wonderful. So for those who are in my listening audience, let's go ahead and tell them what Elder Grow is, what it looks like. So I have had the opportunity to meet Orla several years ago to have many of the gardens in the communities that I supervise, that I oversaw, and actually to get to do some horticultural therapy and setup of an Elder Grow garden in one of my memory care communities. But for those listening who can't see, let's describe to them what the garden is and what goes in it specifically so that they have a better understanding. Absolutely. The Elder Grow Indoor Garden is mobile, so it's on wheels and it can be moved around a community. It's about the size of an administrator's desk. I often liken it to that uh, space, so an executive's desk, the, the garden bed. Overhead is a grow light that illuminates the plants below and, you know, the colors pop. And to add to that, there are fragrant plants that lend to sensory stimulation opportunities. So it's not only colorful and bright, but it's also fragrant. And as I said, it's about the, the garden bed uh, is about the size of an executive's desk. The gardens are ADA compliant, uh, meaning they can be rolled through doorways and more importantly, makes it accessible for residents to either sit or stand at the garden. And you have a couple of models. You have a more of a portable, smaller one, and then you have the larger mobile rolling one. Is that correct? It's about right. We've uh, rolled over time. And we actually even have an online portal now, actually, that we just launched about a month ago, a nature online portal that doesn't include a garden. But the most popular is, in fact, the therapeutic sensory garden, like the one behind me, which is a little bit of an older model. In fact, now we have since partnered with a fabulous builder in Washington State, and we work with a team of veterans. So our gardens are handcrafted by a team of veterans and adults living with disabilities. So a partnership with Elder Grow not only supports senior living residents, but a, a number of other populations because they are getting job skills training, the folks who build our gardens. That is wonderful. I'm, I'm so glad to hear that, how you've expanded. Tell us a little bit more about that portal and what our audience needs to know about accessing that or is it a subscription? Tell us about that. 
the online nature portal is subscription based and you just need to get a password and you log in mm -hmm. and it's up to the community staff to what degree they want to run it. It really is a broader program in that it's not just gardening, but rather nature. So there can be any number of classes that are available with videos, how-to videos, along with about 30 activities a month to add to those step-by-step -step lessons. Mm -hmm. And the idea is with that, you can source the supplies. We provide links where to readily access the supplies. But interestingly, you can also source those supplies just by going outdoors and going for a walk. That can be done by residents or families and residents or staff, maybe on their uh, lunch break. You know, we really want to support residents, pardon me, not just residents, but staff getting the benefits of the great outdoors and getting some vitamin D in the sunlight. So examples of lessons might be you know, using pine cones or leaves or stones and painting the stones to make like ladybugs or garden rocks. Mm -hmm. These are things that are all accessible outdoors. So the program, therefore, is really diverse in how the supplies can be sourced. So Erla, Elder Grove primarily supports senior living communities. Do you offer services, I suppose the portal could be used for the general public or a loved one who's still currently at home? Yes. In fact, you're spot on, Dawn. The neat thing about the new nature portal is that it's dynamic and it can be run a number of different ways for different audiences, which is really exciting. Our wheelhouse, as I said, has always been in senior living. It's a passion of mine and it's what led to Elder Grow. But the fact that now along with who builds our gardens, that we can also help other populations as well. It's really exciting to run events. That's very exciting. You are growing. So I want to ask a few obvious questions, but let's say a senior living community or even an adult daycare is interested in the program. What comes with the program once you order whichever garden you order? I know you offer a lot of support, some monthly stuff, some even have master gardeners. Tell us a little bit more about that. So our most popular program, the Therapeutic Horticulture Program, is facilitated by a local educator, and they are certified by Elder Grove, and they go in twice a month to teach the therapeutic session as well as maintain the garden. So in doing so, they're able to give staff, local staff, a break while they come and facilitate the program. And the educators, without question, are the heart and soul of Elder Grove because they're the ones who are going in, spending time with residents and staff and getting to know the residents' story. And families are even welcome to our classes. So it's provided a really unique way for families to connect when they visit their loved one. That particular program, as I mentioned, includes the in-person Elder Grove educator. They'll bring a plant or two with each visit as show and tell and, and sensory stimulation opportunities. And then the residents will get to plant that in their garden. And they'll also teach a class. Now, the classes are quite diverse. We don't just do horticulture because having worked in the senior living setting, I know how imperative it is to impact as many lives as possible, to engage as many people as possible. And we know not everyone has a green thumb or might be deterred by the thought of gardening. So our curriculum, therefore, includes 
creative component where we'll do garden art. Say, for example, we'll make botanical stationery. We have a culinary portion to that curriculum. We often find big, big classes when we show up for a culinary class. And that really brings the residents out. Um, examples of that might be making edible flower cookies. And we'll do cognitive classes where we'll study nature, like wind, and then make wind chimes. So really a diverse curriculum that definitely expands outside of the traditional gardening activities. That's actually a really good segue, come to think of it, that when we are there, not only do we facilitate the program and do the garden care, but at the end of each and every class, we will do a wellness classroom view and we'll measure each of the residents' scores on creative expression. So there's six things here, creative expression, cognitive stimulation, socialization, spatial awareness, motor skills, and I, I'm not sure if I said sensory stimulation already. We'll measure each of those individually for each resident, as well as collectively, the entire class. We want to make sure we're making an impact. And thanks to you, Don, for the past several years, uh, thanks to your suggestion, we actually also measure emotional states. Do we, in fact, improve the moods of residents by the time class is over? And that is also monitored and measured. And we give a class review to the administrator after every single class. So it's a measured wellness program. It is not merely a garden club, but it's a formal wellness program. I love that, Orla. And I'm so glad that you move forward on that. Having that matrix, having that outcome really not only proves your product, but it just speaks volumes to people. And so I had the opportunity to meet Orla several years ago. And as I said, had those gardens in my memory care communities across the United States. But one of the things that, and I want to talk more about the matrix. I want to talk a little bit about the importance of that. And that's the difference between an activity and a therapeutic program, what you just described that you measure. So kudos to you and your company for doing that. I know the first time, the very first time you set up a garden in a community where I was actually there from putting the dirt in, yeah. um, I got to see really what I'm going to call some miraculous interactions from memory care residents who maybe had been partially engaged or not engaged or maybe even not social or talkative. I saw the minute they put their hands in that dirt it was like their memories came alive. Every one of them talked about a garden they had as a child or a teenager or one that they had at their home. It was just really an amazing thing to see. And it was so obvious to me as a dementia practitioner to be able to pick up on that. And I think that's when we started having the conversations about, is this really making a difference and how can we document this? But you may not think of it the way I do, Orla, but I hope you do because it's your product. Tell us about some of the great testimonials that you have experienced or been reported back to you from the hundreds of people who utilize ElderGrow. I'd love to. Thank you for that opportunity. And just want to add to your comments around what we call the kickoff at ElderGrow, which you and I were together at 
several years ago and um, in Florida. And um, those really are transformative events and where the energy of a community shifts. It just really elevates. And they're just such an exciting time when residents get to plant their garden. And so what Don was describing in that is that on day one, is actually, as I said, a kickoff event where um, our local educator will bring in a bunch of beautiful, colorful, fragrant plants. And the residents get to decide which of those plants they want to plant. And then they get a sense of ownership and pride right away, right out of the gate. And as Don says, they get their hands in the soil. And soil, as it turns out, has been proven to reduce anxiety. Um, it helps to release serotonin in the brain just by being around it. Not even having to get your hands in, in the soil, but just merely around it and it can actually have powerful effects. And certainly designing the garden and making the garden theirs, the residents have instantaneous pride. And it's something that it propels them to look and visit the garden to see how it's doing the next day and the next day. And really creating that purpose. And that's the heart of Elder Grow as well. Those stories of the kickoffs, without question, are always home run events. And one of my favorite things at Elder Grow. And families can come to those too. And sometimes we invite press to help the community get in the spotlight in their local cities and towns. So Therein lies a wealth of uh, stories and testimonials around those events. I think, in fact, if I remember correctly, at that particular one we were at together, there was a community deposit made. So that from a business standpoint, a prospective resident moved in as a result of that kickoff. That's correct. Yep. That's absolutely correct. Good memory, Orla. Good memory. So I want to ask the obvious question that the consumer is going to ask or even the family member. I get asked this a lot of times if I talk about the horticultural therapy program or gardening or anything like that. And that is you specifically use plants that are not toxic, as well as there are other comments and questions that get asked about well, do they pull them out or what are they doing? I have never seen a lot of that going on. Occasionally that's going to happen. Usually someone is bored, but tell us what type of plants that you choose for the garden and then how that's not an everyday problem that we see where people are pulling stuff out, that they're actually very engaged in what's happening. Sure. So at Elder Girl, we only use non-toxic plants and we are experts when it comes to toxicity. We won't even use plants that might cause mild dermatitis. So oftentimes people might think of the obvious um, toxic issues, the ones that are quite severe if ingested. We obviously think of those, but we also consider mild toxicity because we know that, for example, resident skin is uh, more delicate and thinner. So we don't want a scenario where a resident might pick a leaf that might lend to a little sap on their hand that causes a mild irritation that could escalate. So we are very cautious when it comes to uh, safety of residents all the way through most of, we won't even use mums in the garden because they're known to create mild dermatitis. So safety comes first and uh, we only, as I've said, and you've said, we only use non-toxic plants. Now, 
as it relates to the garden itself and concerns or questions around things getting moved around, I have to share a story. I was in Glasgow presenting at a conference this past summer, and that question came up in the crowd. And it was a landscape architect. She was learning and she was very engaged in the presentation. Um, I, but I do remember she said something like, well, won't dementia people uproot everything? I, in that moment, felt so proud of what we do in senior living, not just elder grow, but in senior living, we recognize the, the human and not the disease. And I was excited to let her know that actually is okay if things get uprooted because we make lemonade out of uh, lemons. If there's a missing plant, well, it's pretty obvious <laughs> there's a hole in the garden and make find another resident or the same one, if you happen to know who it was, to replant it or just fill in the hole with soil. It doesn't happen that often. If and when it does happen, their gardens are on wheels. So it can always be moved to a higher traffic area, the garden itself. But as I said, it's really few and far between. And a one beautiful story of something getting moved around in, in a memory care setting was I came to visit a community and there were strawberries, a strawberry plant in the garden bed and a resident had gone out to their courtyard and had taken the strawberry plant and replanted it inside for its safety. That is without question a home run, a beautiful story where a resident was nurturing both gardens, intending to a plant and of course instilling purpose in that resident. So really good things can happen and we don't wanna jump to the negative because that is so few and far between we do occasionally get asked that question like you pondered. Now we're coming up on nine years and I can um, attest to that. It's a, just a rare scenario. Good. I, I'm glad you went into that. I don't know. It's something that they connect. So they don't really have the need to do that. I think most of the time an individual, when we're talking about dementia here, is usually bored if that's what they're going to do and can easily be redirected. But I want to clarify for our audience too. We talk about dementia on the podcast. I mean, that is what we focus on here, but the elder grow garden can be on any campus, including independent living, assisted living and memory care. So it does meet the needs of all of those types of senior living communities. Correct. That's correct. I want to get into something else because I want to break down some of the programs you've created and I want to talk about maybe each stage because usually when you talk about gardening, people think of their own personal garden, the ability to get outside, get down on your knees, do all the complicated things that people might think gardening entails. But how do you customize programming to specific needs of residents, including differing cognitive levels? And I'd like you to talk a little bit about how you approach sensory using the garden as well. Absolutely. So the sensory is very prevalent with elder grow because of the tactile component and the olfactory uh, component. So we often do a scratch and sniff. We've coined it the scratch and sniff, which is touching an herb and rubbing it between your uh, fingers to release the oils on your hand. And that is so powerful than just smelling a fragrant herb. Instead, you proceed by doing the rubbing of the herb. And so if you were rubbing rosemary or lavender, it becomes 
so much more fragrant when you rub the oils and then smell your hands. So that is something so easy to teach care staff, the executive director at any community can learn how to do that under a minute. So it's quite easy to use that as a redirection tool in memory care. And it's a meaningful redirection tool as well. That's very prevalent throughout elder grow and watering the garden, using your motor skills or tilling the garden with one of the safe tools. Also another opportunity for the tactile component. So sensory is big at elder grow. And when we do it, the next step to that is, you know, the senses, but then reminiscing. So we'll ask, you know, a resident, what does that remind you of? So if they smell mint, what does that remind you of? And we'll throw in cognitive stimulation. Like, what do you think that is? And it begins with the letter M. It's one syllable. And gently encouraging the person to guess what it is. And so just so many layers to interweave. That's how sensory can really trigger so many other wonderful opportunities. And I get so excited about that, Dawn. I need you to remind me of the first part of that question. Let's say I have a memory care neighborhood and I have three different cognitive levels in there. Not everybody will do the same thing. And I think you alluded to it in the sensory program, but you're going to have those that are a little bit more independent, probably planting Mm -hmm. or tilling. Others may water and then Mm -hmm. others may reminisce and smell or used to do this little leave variegation thing or the reminisce. So it's not just for someone who's independent, even in the first stages of dementia. It is for each level, even that whole sensory leaf, rosemary, Mm -hmm. um, basil, the oregano you gave me. Oh my gosh, it's a tree. So that scent and that smell is so important. And I want our audience to know that it's the little things in this that can be carried throughout. If there's any memory or inkling or even want to have their hands in the dirt. It is just really a real neuroplasticity type program that connects new memories to old memories. Absolutely. One of the things that we do to cater for different populations is on our lesson plans, we'll have a section that, you know, is dedicated to higher acuity or more independent residents. So you can amend the lessons accordingly. And to your point, there are any number of ways a resident can water the garden. If in class, some residents finish earlier than other residents, then those residents can help the other residents, which again, fosters that sense of purpose. Or we can have them work on the garden bed while we're wrapping up the class. And just really neat ways to connect different levels of residents For those who are more advanced and their disease, the sensory stimulation is so powerful, they may not be verbal, but using the fragrant mint or oregano can really create that connection. And for the IL residents, we do a lot of cognitive stimulation and, and we talk about what they know from their gardening experiences because oftentimes they come to the table with that having been a master gardener already. So we'll utilize their skills as well to really round out a class with all different levels. 
I want to get into something you and I had a discussion about several years ago. And for those in our listening audience that may not be familiar with horticultural therapy or those benefits, we had a really long conversation. And because I'm such a programmer and I want to see outcomes and I want to measure and I want to be impactful, we had a conversation about some of the studies that have been done and perhaps even more that you shared with me in regards to the benefit of horticultural therapy. And I want to say to my audience, I believe in this, is that you need to look for the simple things and the simple type of activities that someone can do who has been diagnosed with dementia. Even if you're older and just retired, having a hobby, having something you do is extremely important for not only memory, but brain health in general. What are the studies out there that say that horticultural therapy is beneficial Horticultural therapy provides an outlet. Tell us some of those studies and what they say about people in general and people with dementia. Absolutely. I got so excited in grad school when I fell upon this research. If we take a step back to the evolution of elder grow, I was focused on bringing nature indoors and making it accessible. And then it, it evolved um, quickly into horticultural therapy because I discovered the benefits through evidence-based research that really catapulted the direction of elder grow into, as I said, therapeutic horticulture. And some studies, I remember, remember I, I mentioned I started off with a business competition and I was on the stage in the night of the finals. And I remember this one data point that we often share because it's easy to remember and powerful is that gardening on a frequent basis can reduce the risk factors for dementia by 36%. Now that is a definitive number in an area and a disease that is mind boggling, no pun intended, but to have something non-pharmacological and that type of impact, uh, 36%. And that really drilled down the focus into the therapeutic horticulture research like that. More recently, there's been further research, very powerful research in the form of systematic reviews. So these are a series of studies, not just one study. So over the course of 10 years, there was a systematic review that the Gerontological Society of America put forth in 2019. And it talks about specifically indoor gardening in senior living. And over the course of the 10-year span, the outcomes that were revealed were one, that indoor gardening and senior living slows down the cognitive decline in residents living with dementia. Two, helps to reduce blood pressure. And three, helps to improve the quality and quantity of sleep in the residents living in the community. So that, I don't know if we yet talked about that pivotal research, Dawn, but that was really exciting. And again, that was put forth by the Gerontological Society of America. A mouthful. <laughs> another piece of powerful research the same year in another systematic review, so a series of studies talked about how horticultural therapy is one of the most effective tools to help reduce loneliness in senior living. So some of the other effective tools for those interested are laughter therapy and reminiscing therapy. And as I said, horticultural therapy is right up there. 
for the lay people listening to this call, for those of us who uh, are fortunate not to live with dementia, gardening is still very powerful. As I said earlier on a moment ago, it helps to reduce the risk factors for dementia. What are those risk factors? One is it helps prevent falls because if you're moving your body and using your core and using your arms to plant things, the second risk factor that gardening helps to reduce is depression, the onset of depression. So those can be two harbingers of dementia, uh, you know, a severe fall or severe depression. So gardening mitigates that because of the joy it brings and the, the physical activity it also brings. And as I said longer ago, 15 minutes ago, just being around soil helps to reduce anxiety. And a fun fact, this is a little bit of an aside, but it's still nature. But I love this type of research. I'm I definitely a self-coined research nerd. Having a photo of nature in your office, so those of you who are professionals and listening or you have a home office, having a photograph of nature, and it can be a photograph that you took of your favorite rose bush or your favorite tree or a trip to the Grand Canyon, that also helps to reduce stress. So there are little ways that Mother Nature can help us in a number of settings. And I just wanted to share that little tip as we go back into our worlds after this podcast. I love that, Orla. I think that we talked about the studies before 2019. So incredible benefits. And it's one of the reasons why I like to say to families, and I want to pitch this right now, if you're looking for a senior living community, and especially if you're looking for a memory care community, I want you to take a look at the program that they offer the activities that they offer, the calendar that they offer. And I want you to think about what they're offering. There are so many benefits to therapeutic programming. And I would definitely look to see if they have any kind of gardening that's available for sure, as well as other types of reminiscing and sensory program, music, pet, all of those things. We need to kind of move away from some of the social entertainment-based type activities that are great and wonderful, but they really do not impact cognitive reserves. So Orla, thanks for unpacking all of those studies. And I'm excited about some of the things you said, and I'm going to make sure that my office has some botanical pictures, some trees. I don't know. I might even move that oregano tree into my office that you gave me. I five years ago, something like that. Believe me, I do not have a green thumb and that is easy to grow. But I want to kind of wrap today and just really talk about, I want to get back to the average person, even pre-senior living. Tell our audience where they can access you at and all the information that you've talked about Elder Grow. And what do you see in the future? You're going to be offering, are you going to be expanding your audience, your customer base? Tell us all about Elder Grow and how people can find out more about it. Thanks, Dawn. So you can find Elder Grow at www.eldergrow.org. And we are a nationwide company now. So we've grown, pun intended, <laughs> So from our earlier days in Seattle. And you can have a look, see, we have a research page, by the way, on that website. So for those of you who love to learn more about the evidence-based research, have a look, see at that page. And one thing I'd love to impart to those living at home that are not in an older adult or 
just for anyone. Nature does not have to be this far away, grandiose thing. Remember, I mentioned the concept of having a photograph of the Grand Canyon, but actually nature can be just right outside your front door. That's one thing I like to instill upon us is that getting going outside and getting fresh air and under the blue sky and under the sun with some vitamin D or just seeing a plant as you walk to your mailbox, all of those are ways that we can access nature. It does not need to be the grandiose national park. It'd be right outside your door. So go for a walk and get some fresh air, open the windows to your house, weather permitting, um, if you can, to get some a little bit of fresh air into your house. So these are all little ways that we can access nature. Well, Orla, thank you for joining us on the podcast today. You are refreshing. I always love going over elder grow and horticultural therapy with you. So to the audience, I want to say to you today that I hope that something we've talked about today on the podcast is beneficial to you now or in the future. Share the podcast with your friends and family. Think about some of the things that Orla has talked about today. Some of the things that we have shared. There's a lot of simplicity in this world that can really help you while you're on your dementia journey. So until next time, make it a memorable day. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for the Disappearing Mind podcast. We hope it's helped you find clarity and support along your journey. Be sure to subscribe to never miss an episode, visit our website to suggest future topics, and share the podcast with friends and family.